Geekly! This week on Geekly, Halloween memories, three scary things we like, and the world premiere of The Corn Man. And now your host, Mike and Daglio. Hey everybody, it's time for K&M Geekly. I'm Mike and Daglio. This is Keith Varney, and we're just two geeks talking about some of the things that have gotten through their week and this week, in fact, today, as this airs, it That's right. is Halloween, spooky season is concluding, it's the big night, and we're so thankful that you could join us. We're going to talk all things Halloween this week. As Keith mentioned, we're going to talk about some memories of Halloween's gone by, and maybe what we do nowadays for Halloween, we're going to talk about some scary things that we actually like. I mentioned in a previous episode that I'm not huge on the scaries, Keith. So we're going to get mm. to the, get to the bottom of still what I enjoy about the season. And let me turn my volume down. And then uh, we're going to debut. Keith's going to tell a scary story. And then I'm going to share a scary story that I created this week with I'm the help so of some excited. great friends, uh, my nieces and some of my brother's students. This is a world premiere of a movie. It is. Thank God uh, it's actually using assets that we paid for, <laughs> because That's otherwise right. I don't think I could show it. No, I mean, this is a cinematic achievement. No one in the world has seen this. Uh, well, I that's hope. not true. There was a, there was a soft launch uh, at Downingtown Middle School this week. There was it was uh, entered into a, a film festival. Yeah, it's it, it's a it, all that is. It's a, an audience tryout. You got some notes from the producers, uh, but I hope everybody watching it got dressed up. I mean, this is a black tie for sure. That is, Keith. Are you going to be doing anything special for Halloween tonight? Oh, I'm going to do my absolute uh, favorite thing to do on Halloween. Hand out which candy? Is, which is prepare to hand out candy. Uh, and and I, I, I will say this, that I, you know, I lived in uh, Brooklyn and then Queens for 20 years. Now I'm in New Jersey. And every year I am so excited to prepare to hand out candy. Uh, and so this year I uh, went to Costco. Here I have my uh, six something pound bag of 150 different chocolates. I'm very excited yes. about it. Um, I feel like I probably should get a little bit more just in case. Uh, because in the, I guess, 22 combined years I have had a place to hand out candy, I have had one trick or treater. But e don't worry. Even in Jersey? Even in Jersey. I can't believe it. Nobody came last year. Huh. Um, but luckily, I do prepare with a military amount of candy How much every of that year. do you end up eating? Solo. All of it. Of course I do. <laughs> I mean, why do you think I do it? I don't do it because I want to hand out candy. I want to have an excuse to buy a stupid amount of candy and then eat it. Well, you know, the two years I've been here, I, I, the first year I went out with my sister's kids to trick-or-treat. And last year, I think, I have no idea. I have no recollection, but I know I wasn't at my house uh, or my apartment. But I live in a sort of a, a, a row home apartment complex. So I assume that there must be a ton of trick-or-treaters because think about it. That's, that's volume, man. If yeah, you kid. would think, right? So I'm going to have to prepare as well. Uh, I haven't, I have yet to candy buy. Now I've got a couple days. This is airing on Halloween, but we're recording a few days before, so I've got some time. But I don't know if I want to go like industrial size bag like you did, or if I go and be the cool guy and get 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 the king sizes, and then just once you run out, you're out. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I mean uh, Costco. That was that was my jam. Like yep. it's a. Uh, but, you know, but of course, nobody's coming. So I'm hoping the neighbor's kids come by. But you live uh, in a the, nice little suburban community. I can't imagine I nobody know, but I don't think kids trick or treat the way we did. Huh. I mean, A, I think it's probably wildly more supervised <laughs> than it was when we were doing it. But I think that they go to, I, I heard that they the all trunk go downtown. Treat, right, the trunk or treat. The, the trunk or treat deal. Like they go downtown and like there's an area where it's all set up for that. I don't know if they just like go to like creepy random dudes houses anymore even like because because right now i'm like basically like a single white middle-aged dude in a house all by myself with a giant bag of candy like i wouldn't send my kid yeah to me. your costume right now is screaming serial killer so no for sure no <laughs> i'm like come on out in my basement it's full of action figures you're gonna love it <laughs> i swear I it's not weird at all i'm just doing an internet show in fact uh I should say, two years ago, I thought it was really cool when I went with my sister's kids. 
and they they live in a very affluent little neighborhood. So it was like hiking up these people's driveways. But it was still kind of pandemic times, so they had a lot of them had done these really elaborate shoots. Like they had went they had decorated their like bedroom window and instead of coming to the door, they were shooting candy down like ramps and stuff. It was cool. I I've seen it. I saw that in Queens. I love it. I would be doing that today if it weren't for the uh, aforementioned, like, just random dude, like, yeah, now I've got to shoot. <laughs> Actually, the more you talk about it, the more I'm thinking we have to make this happen. No, no, I do not want to be arrested on Halloween. I've got all this candy to eat. So you talked about trick-or-treating when we were kids, and I think yeah. it's time. I'd like to spend a little time on Kane and Geekly this week, uh, or a little retro talk, and just talk about what Halloween was growing up for us. And uh, I'll start real quick. You know, I, I was blessed to grow up in a community like you just sort of described, a really sort of middle-class, nice suburb community where we would ride our bikes to each other's houses. You'd stay out till nine o'clock. Nobody had to go looking for you. You know, the good old days, as they say. Uh, and trick-or-treating was one of the best things. Now, early day trick-or-treating when we would go with my parents, <laughs> I don't know, this story seems like it's cliche, but it, but it was true for us. It was always cold, right? So we'd, I'd get these really great costumes. In fact, the one costume I remember the best, we have it on VHS. I wish I had a v, a v, VCR to be able to rip it, but... Uh, it was called Happy Hobo. I'll never forget. <laughs> Man, I mean, can't. I don't think it holds up now. But that's what it was. I remember. The package was called Happy Hobo. <laughs> so no. And it was like I, I wore sort of like um, baggy, ripped up clothes, and it had like the stick and the like handkerchief at the end, right, where you kept your Halloween oh, sack. And my dad uh, gave me like an old fedora and my mom painted my face like a clown. So I was like a clown slash. Happily like a clown. Let's all be grateful yeah, like that we- A uh... clown who's down on his luck, I guess. I don't really know. It, they sold it. It's like these these Halloween memes going no, around, no, but I, it was for I, real. I remember it. I, it's, yeah. it we, we come from an era of so many opportunities to be wildly offensive in your child's I was I was costume. so happy about this costume. In fact, my Little dad... Pagliacci, Mike. My dad was big on, and one day we'll have to do a retro talk on this. My dad was big on the big old VHS camcorder the, on the shoulder. Oh, yeah, sure. And he wouldn't just, like, record. He would narrate as, you know, I, that's as, where we get it. We like to hear it, ourselves it, talk. It's dad. It's dad It's work. dad. And there is a good... 20 to 30 minutes of me at probably six, seven years old, just walking around dressed as Happy Hobo, saying Happy Hobo over and over and over again, really <laughs> cementing this as a, a not a, a not safe for work video. Wow. Uh, and, but then, as all happened every Halloween, my mom threw the big winter jacket over top of us. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I went and trick-or-treated and basically it was just a clown with a fedora on. Like that yep. was that was every costume every year. No matter what we did, mom threw a big jacket on, and it didn't matter because I think what we remember as these long nights of trick or treating, I think really only probably lasted two hours. Oh, I'm sure. It, well, it really depends on where you are, how much candy you can get for that. Yeah, and then growing up once, and then I remember you know the the transition period when you started getting a little middle school, high school, and you started going mm -hmm. out on your own with your friends. Those were the those were the prime days. Right, yeah. like that's when you, you, of course you did you did some of the costumes where you just you look back and you think, man, I was such an idiot. That was the one year where you know I was fourteen years old, so I was too cool for school, Keith. So instead of having a costume, I just got an old trash can, like a plastic trash can, and put it over my head and wrote on magic marker it said Mr. Buckethead, and that's what I was for. And I thought I was so cl I was like, man, this is hysterical, baby. Oh, nailed it. Uh, Hashtag nailed it. I really hate that version of me, <laughs> looking back in retrospect. Who doesn't yeah. hate that version of themselves at some point? But the the crowning achievement was our junior year of high school, and my buddy John worked for this picture framing company. So he had this uh, he had this big red van for work that he would deliver paintings in or pictures, like frames. They would frame stuff up and bring them to people's houses. Regardless, the important thing is we had this big red van. I'm glad I'm not the creepiest thing on this on the show. Well, at least anymore. it wasn't a big white van, because that is creepy. Uh, it was a big yeah, red fair. van. And what we did is uh, we had another buddy who worked it for one of those like decal shops, like re working retail, where you'd like, uh, you know, you right. could vinyl decal your car. So we had made up a publisher's clearinghouse 
uh, logo, (laughs) and we decaled the big red van with Publishers Clearinghouse. And then we had a group of buddies. One buddy had a bunch, we got a huge bunch of balloons, like just giant balloons. We had a huge mock check made up, and we had fake light, a fake video camera, and I had a microphone. I would host, and I was like, I'm Mike and Digaloo here with the winner of the Halloween night sweepstakes. And we would knock on people's doors. Oh, my God. You're a monster. This sounds great. This sounds great. And the initial plan was do this, get them all excited, and then quickly run away, jump in the van, and drive off. Which, in retrospect, didn't leave a lot of time for candy ac- acquisition. <laughs> so it's a terrible so anyway, thing to do. To the people. plan sounds great, or it sounds like at least a fun prank. But here's the mm-hmm. thing: it's Halloween night. We're a bunch of 16-year-old people, 17-year-old right. people. We didn't fool anybody. It was just a huge, but I will say this, the planning, the execution lacked. I think we did it like five times and then we were like, let's just go hang out and, you know, be done. But the 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 planning, that's what I remember most is the, the sitting down and the scheming and the schematics and the, and the laughing and the joking and the ordering pizza and talking about it was really the fun part. And, and so that, those were kind of like some of my, my retro Halloween memories, Keith. Mm. I'm going to pass it over to you. No, I I I love that, and I mean, you know, it's a terrible, mean thing to do, but it's I I completely get what you mean about the planning and having access to a van that you can mess with. In high school, I did a uh, like a video for school or whatever, and the uh, I had a friend who had this big old silver van that he was getting rid of, and is literally like a week away from the junkyard. So I'm like, Hey, can I borrow it and like paint on it? I painted like ATF. We shot this whole sequence, like slamming the van around. It was so much fun. Anyway. um, Yeah. So my experience of trick or treating was a little bit different because I lived out in the middle of nowhere, Vermont. So uh, we lived on a dirt road or driveway a third of a mile long. So uh, I couldn't just walk door to door. And uh, at least until I was a little bit older, when I stopped kind of doing it, my parents would have to drive us Mm. to each house. And uh, so sadly, you know, they were like, hey, I can take you to like six houses, pick the houses you want. um, Because it was a it was quite a hike to get from one house to the next to the next. Um, And so like you you realize when you have to, when you only have six or seven houses to go to, if you get a house that gives you an apple, the percentage of your candy, which is now garbage and the resentment that, that, that fills you with is pretty profound. Yeah. I can Uh, imagine. But I did have some pretty banging costumes and Mike, I brought some pictures this week. Oh yeah. I forgot. I can't wait. Let me take out all these, uh, Oh, look at you. Yeah, you know. I have. So uh, so I, I, I don't have a lot of the older ones. And I'm going to tell you about my favorite costume, uh, which I don't have a picture of. But I do have some of these. Let me just narrate you through some of these uh, remarkable pictures of myself. Um, so uh, there is on, the, on your left on the screen there. That's uh, my little brother as Cookie Monster, obviously. And me apparently as Garbage. Hmm. Uh, he would have been sure. good pals with Happy Hobo. I I I don't know what the plan was, but I clearly look. I made my own costumes. This this was I didn't go to the party city. There was no party city in Vermont in 1985, uh, so you had to make it yourself. So I clearly painted a uh, a paper bag black and made that terrifying mask that mm-hmm. I clearly drew myself with, out of a paper plate. Don't know what that was supposed to be. And then uh, continuing the theme on the right there, that is me as a cowboy riding my little brother who was a oh, horse. my God. You know what? I, I apologize for the, the... Well, it should be big enough on your screens there. Blow it up if not. Uh, I didn't notice that that was your brother you're riding there. So that's basically uh, Keith as the Lone Ranger and which brother is suffering as Tonto? That's Scott, obviously. That is... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and what you can see here, you can see, you can see the germination of forty years of resentment. Yeah, it's a uh, and 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 well deserved. That Cookie uh, Monster let, isn't bad, except it does look like Cookie Monster is eating a small child. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just eating a cookie. Child. 
baby brother. I just got. That's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, All right, what what else do we have here? We have okay. So here, here's where I went. I still, still made my own. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Scott's reprising Cookie Monster because nailed it. Why? Why did the change? My father is Charlie Chaplin, and I think that's my older brother. Also, is Charlie Chaplin unclear? And me. If you don't recognize it, I don't know how you don't because it is a flawless made by me Optimus Prime. Oh boy! Yeah, zoom zoom that zoom that in, Mikey. Oh boy, hold you, on! You do not I, I wanna... apologize for. Uh... Oh boy! Uh oh! Oh, what are you doing? Oh, it's grouped. It's grouped. Oh no! Let me ungroup. Hold on, I'm ungrouping. You and your grouping. Well, you know, it does help. We have a lot of things on the screen. Where how do I ungroup? Oh, you know, don't worry about no, it. No, no, I, no, I, no, 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 no. Just control F it. Nah. So wow. there is it is a, a cardboard box I painted red, and the mask there, that is Optimus Prime, folks. Wow. You're welcome. Uh that, that is I made something. my darn self. It's and that's just you in a cardboard box, is really what it is. No, it's a flawless Optimus Prime. Uh-huh. You know, I saw that Optimus Prime from Super 7, and let me tell you, that is not it. Uh, yeah, because they didn't get it right. Okay. Well, let's see what Obviously. else we got here. Uh, and there we have, uh, I am apparently also wanted to go with garbage that year as well, uh, but it looks like I'm some sort of a cat garbage. Uh, <laughs> is that, what's, what's your brother? Uh, Dracula with a lightsaber. Uh, a lightsaber. Yep, yep, yep. Not bad. Uh, so I mean, looking pretty good. Now your cat garbage. Uh-huh. Uh, the cat, the head. I'm gonna give you points. Yeah, looks like a cat. Yeah. You definitely got like a rainbow bright winter jacket on the base layer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, see, see, that's what I thought about it. Mm-hmm. I uh, I put the jacket under the. Now costume. you're gonna have to explain to me the plaid pants with knee pads. Uh, well, because the knee pads, I, I was a cat. I had to be on all fours for oh, most of it. Oh, that's tough crawling up people's driveways. But hey, points and for the, dedication. I believe the pants are just 1984. I think that's <laughs> just what. The, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds about I, right. I think that's just what that is. Um, unfortunately, I do not have photographic evidence of my favorite costume that I ever did. And that is I made myself a Pepsi machine. And That's so pretty I great. Took, I know. I thought it was pretty good. I took a refrigerator box, painted it as a Pepsi machine, cut a hole in the in the little sides for the coin slot and for the thing. And so I had to, and I built handles inside so I could pick it up and walk around with it like a droid, mm. and then put it down. And uh, what a pain in the ass it was to get from house to house. But once I was there, it was very impressive. You know, Keith, once and, I, oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Continue. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, the, the last thing I'll say about that is, of course, people like, you know, everyone's dad would be like, oh, I'd like a soda. Ha ha. And he'd put coins mm-hmm. in the slot. Don't worry. I was prepared. I had recycling. So I would give out an empty can and keep the, uh, at that point, it was like 75 cents. I myself also went as Optimus Prime one year. But really? I had those 1980s masks, and you remember oh. the masks, those plastic masks that would, they were so tight that they would slit your, like they cut your face, and oh, the mouth yeah. was so tight that you'd start within 15 minutes, it would start like, uh, there'd be condensation on the inside of the mask, mm-hmm. and you'd be like, <laughs> basically huffing oh. and puffing for air, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it had just like a single rubber band stapled to either side, so you had to be literally very careful. Stapled. Yes, literally stapled, and you had to be really careful because any abrupt move you'd snap that rubber band and the halloween was over yeah so yeah. that's when i that was kind of my last mask one and then the last uh costume not costume the last halloween trick-or-treating uh, fable this has become lore in our friendship group so we have one our one friend paul whose dad was a nutball in the best of ways just like always just very well-natured funny uh always in a good mood always having treats and kids, just like one of the places you loved when Paul's dad was around because he was like just a great dude. Now, 
Side note, <laughs> this goes with Halloween. When he would sleep over his house, Paul would always warn you. He'd be like, hey, just want to let you know my dad has night terrors. So in the middle of the night, you'd be hanging out or whatever, and Keith, or not Keith, Paul's dad would just start screaming bloody murder somewhere upstairs, and then it would just go back to And it was horrifying. Yikes. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, uh, what, we went to Paul's house. We'd always go by our friends' houses in the neighborhood to trick or treat. And I swear this happened. I remember it, but I can't remember if it really happened or if we've just, it's just been, the story's been told so many times that it's cemented itself as real in my head. I can't remember. But the the legend goes that we went to Paul's dad's house and Mr. Paul opens the door and uh, he, uh, we all hand, held out our bags and he had a thing of Briar's ice cream he had been eating when he came to the door and just gleefully scooped fresh briar's ice cream <laughs> into each of our bags is like a gag and we howled uh there are some people who dispute that that actually happened but i i pretty much remember it and it being hilarious hilarious so. no no i love it. well jillian once had uh when she was trick-or-treating some lady handed her a piece of like birthday cake cake just into her bag no napkin no bag no nothing just dropped it directly hey, into the nice. bag. so uh, I don't Very know. Similar. I don't know. Apparently now there's all kinds of codes. Like if you put some sort of a color on your outside of your door, that indicates that you're giving out non-sugar treats or non-egg. Like there's a whole dietary thing that you can indicate, which I, which is great. But we didn't no. have any of that. Uh, <laughs> no, we just have. If you were allergic to peanuts, blade. you just had to hope for the best. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Fair enough. Eighties. Yeah. Eighties. We want to hear from you, fans, friends. Uh, if you uh, have some Halloween memories or trick-or-treat memories or just great costumes you'd like to share, please do so in the comments below. We'd appreciate it. Uh, while we're yeah. talking about this kind of stuff, Keith, let's move forward here. Let's talk about some scary stuff that we enjoy. Yes. Uh, I'm going to let you go first this time. All right. Or well, let's alternate. Will... Let's alternate. Yeah, well, obviously, back and forth. So uh, for me, uh, if I had to pick three things, that uh, very quickly I had to think of scary things that I enjoy. And I mean very quickly because we changed our topic about 20 minutes before we started mm -hmm. filming. Yeah. Uh, so I want to just talk about one of my all-time favorite scary movies. Now, I have a lot of really old scary movies that I really love. We've talked about the Halloween series and like The Shining and the sort of 80s series. But there's a more contemporary movie that I uh, both really like the movie, but also have a great memory about. And that is The Ring. And this is the 2002 uh, version of The Ring, which is obviously an adaptation of a Japanese film, which is also fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I thought this was Ringu one of the... Ringu is the Japanese version, right? Yeah, Ringu, yeah. Which is... Uh... Anyway, this movie, I'm sure most of you have seen it, but if you haven't seen it, definitely sit down and watch it but like watch it watch it don't mm -hmm. just second screen it because the detail work in this film is fantastic uh, it has an amazing score it is filled endlessly with symbolism and subtext and imagery that you really want to focus on um, in order to get the full experience of the movie and it has a terrifying finale um, which just blew me away and i remember this the experience of watching this movie for the first time so well because I was uh, living in Brooklyn in the apartment that that we shared way back in way back when, and we went to this uh, movie theater in Brooklyn, packed house, ten o'clock show, so it was like a late night show, just packed with folks, and uh, didn't really, I had didn't know anything about the movie, whatever. So we started watching it, and by the time we got to the finale, it was. Like we were riding a roller coaster. There was 300 people screaming bloody murder at the finale of this movie. And it was so much fun. I know, you know, I'm, I'm like you normally. I can't stand, I don't want people talking. I don't want any distractions. Leave me alone. But in that case, the shared experience mm -hmm. of 300 people screaming bloody murder and freaking the heck out was so much fun. And that it really imprinted this movie as an experience to me. Um, so have you seen this movie? I have. Uh, I wish I could forget it. It's got the two things that that really solidify great horror movies that can stand the test of time. One, Creepy Kid. Creepy Kid yep. nails it. Two, some sort of 
supernatural thing that though clearly f fictional uh, could happen you know what i mean it's like uh, if, if some like something crawling out of the tv or something like you that's the circle the, the imagery that you see in everyday life that harkens you back to that experience that just keeps it in your psyche really effective and it also has an unraveling mystery to it because yep. it's it's a it's a mystery movie um, but what I like, what makes this better than the 10 trillion movies like it and the endless amount of ripoffs that came out after it is the complexity of the mystery and how well it holds up. There's a couple of times where you think, oh, we solved it. Mm. And then, oh, no, we haven't. There's another layer. And then like, okay, that was it. We solved it. And then, oh, no. And I think that's it's just a very well-constructed, well-written, well-performed. The score is fantastic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I get it stuck in my head every time I even think about the movie. And I think that the scoring of a horror movie is, is it? essential. Yes, 100%. It makes such a big, make a giant difference. And I said this as a composer, right? But like also as an experiencer of of movies it's so important well it's fun you can see a lot of times if you go on youtube you can find people who have taken classic horror scenes and swapped out the score for like dumbo or something upbeat right. and fun and you can see that it the change is different the change the whole thing yeah uh, so one of the things i i do not find joy in i i find so it's jump scares basically so your, uh, your horror movies a lot of horror movies that rely on jump scare uh, your haunted house is your haunts. Mm -hmm. I, I like the shared experience of the group atmosphere and the hanging out and the going, but I end up closing my eyes half the time. So am I getting my money's worth? Because the jump scares, it, it it does nothing that resembles fun or entertainment for me. I get other people, that's it, their thing. It's not for me. So, but that doesn't mean I don't like scary or creepy. Creepy is really the word I like to use because that's the... That's the thing that really kind of does it for me. And was I saying, oh, creepy thing. So one thing yeah. I really, this is specific, one thing I really enjoy are derelict or abandoned forsaken places. Mm. So an example is here in Philadelphia, they do a thing called Terror Behind the Walls, which is Eastern State Penitentiary, which was a very, one of the first penitentiaries in the country, which was, it was actually with a religious kind of connotation they would make you repent and they would do this thing called the eye of god so as you were in these isolated cells but each one would just have a window on the top of your cell so that you so that the lord could watch you in isolation yikes yeah so that's scary enough as it is but that hundreds of years later while it's crumbling taking tours of that that sort of creep factor with something with that haunted kind of hit not haunted but that history of all that kind of whatever, <laughs> the history of whatever, right. uh, I really enjoy. Or seeing tours of old uh, as insane asylums, as they were called at the time. Or even Roosevelt Island, Keith, if you, if you recall. Sure. If you go to the tip, there's that old yellow fever house. Or, um, yeah. Which, where they would just kind of, people who were sick, they would just, they didn't know what to do with them, so they'd stick them in, the, stick them in this uh, house. Yeah, quarantine quarantine house. house, yeah. And there's still the, the ruins of it there. And I find yes. that- it's really. scary. I've, I've been there. So I've taken to going to YouTube and finding channels and people who break in, not break in, they, well, find ways in maybe uh, to these abandoned places. I really I like, because there are crazy ones, like places where they've done nuclear testing and now are just, yeah. are just ghost towns that they've left intact and people who tour them or old amusement parks that have yeah, been left to rot. Fun. Yeah, There's something about, that evokes a feeling in me that I would say is in the scary nature, but I find joy in it. I find a, a thrill to be had there for me. So that's abandoned places. There's plenty of YouTube channels you can search. I, I, I don't have any specifically to point out, but uh, that's something I really enjoy. I thought I'd throw it out there. Keep number two. No, I, I like that. That's fun. Um, yeah, all right. So I'm, I'm actually going to change my order. So I'm going to talk about my, you know, I, I think I've probably mentioned it before. My all-time favorite book and the miniseries based on it. Now, it should come as no surprise to anybody that I'm a big Stephen King fan. And my all-time favorite book is It. 
And this this is my my first edition hardcover as, that came out that I read all the time. You can see this is this is not my like sell it later. This is my like read it over and over with its broken spine and such. And this book I became a huge fan of actually after the miniseries that we are seeing here. Now, this was a 1990 ABC miniseries of It. This is not the contemporary two films. This is back in the day, the original. And for me, this came out when I was 10, right? So I was just a couple of years younger than the kid characters in this movie. And of course, you have Tim Curry's legendary mm -hmm. performance as the clown Absolutely. in this. Pennywise. I mean, astounding performance. Still, Tim Curry's performance in this movie is scarier than anything in the new contemporary movies, which I enjoy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Skarsgård is, is great. I, I thought he was great, but I, I'm sorry, Tim Curry, it, there will nothing be be scarier than his performance in this miniseries. Now, the, you know, it's a TV miniseries and it's a tv miniseries in 1990 network tv so it's certainly sanitized quite a bit from the book um some of the book is unfilmable um but i do think that they really got two things right one is the sense of nostalgia mm -hmm. which is a huge part of this book and you know this is a nostalgia for king's childhood and so the original book, it's set in the 80s as the contemporary time and in the 50s from the flashback. The, the movies today sort of take it, you know, 30 years ahead. Um, but I, I very much gravitated to that. It also has a fantastic score. Um, the miniseries has a better score than anything they did later. Um, but the, the thing that really I gravitate to in this story, both in the book form and in the uh, adaptations, is I think King's real superpower. It's not writing scary stuff. It's not writing um, gore and monsters and whatever. And don't get me wrong, he does an amazing job at mm -hmm. that. But I think his superpower is writing from the point of view of children. And I think. In this book, the kids talk like kids actually talk. They think like kids actually think. And I had, you know, and I I read this when I was like eleven or twelve, when I when I was exactly these kids' age, and um, and I was like, these feel like real kids to me. These feel like people I know. This feels like me. And all of these, you know, these these kids were bullied and they called themselves the Losers Club and they were all disadvantaged in one way or another. And I kind of was too, right? And I, I identified with them very much. It felt much like my group of friends and and the the ways in which the town itself was sort of a threat, was sort of a danger, and that there's things at home, things away from home that were sort of um, scary and real, and in a way that the the adults didn't understand and didn't hear and didn't see. And in the town of Derry, of course, like that's part of the storytelling is the adults and the town and the world intentionally doesn't see. It's part of the malignancy of the area and i think that you know the the monster monster stab stab sploosh sploosh that's great but for me that feeling was where the magic really is for me um because i was like <clears throat> oh god i'm feeling this literally today on my bus ride to seventh grade and uh anyway i think it's a phenomenal phenomenal book the miniseries like it peters out. It like the ending is not good. There's parts of it that aren't good, but there are parts of it that are just spectacular. You should watch it for Tim Curry's performance alone. Uh, yeah, obviously love it. My first, my first tome actually, I would have probably, I would probably put it on the top of my list had I not read The Stand first, mm. uh, because The Stand is sure. just ugh, so many things. The thing I love about about King also is that he, if you're invested in the world. He his it's like a cinematic universe. It's one of the first cinematic universes, right? He he yeah. they all intertwine, they're all connected. He says as much. And even to this day, I'm reading Fairy Tale, which I talked about a week or two ago. I think last week, right? And uh, I won't say much, but I will say that there's this character we meet uh, midway through the book, 
and there's a problem with they're having trouble communicating for reasons. Uh, but he does pick up. She keeps referring to herself. He thinks as Deary, but she's ex- dreary, Deary. It keeps getting, and I'm like, oh, that's a callback. It, it's it's pretty cool to the uh, town. It's awesome. Deary, of course. Yeah. Uh, so so cool. Yeah. And and I I will finish my it thing with a with a shameless plug, right? You 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 want you want a scary book? Check out my book, The Dead Circle. Uh, you can. Uh, you can get it right here on the link below. You can get it on Amazon, both uh, digitally or, you know, get yourself a hard copy right here. It's very exciting. I stole some from Keith. They're on my bookshelf. That's right. So, um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up. I, we didn't get to compare notes, so but but it, it, it translates. So mine is another feeling thing. So uh, a lot of the scares and the creepiness has to do with trying to capture feelings from youth. We talked about it about it last week. But what I enjoy is that there are still things that creep me out today. Even though I'm a grown-up, I like things that make me feel like a kid again. Much like writing my rent. To this day, when I write a rent check, I feel like I'm six years old making it up as I go along. I'm like, they're not going to know I'm really just a kid inside. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> what is what? Uh, And one is that for some reason, even though I'm a grown man, uh, I know I'm in a safe environment and my doors are locked and everything's safe. When I'm alone at home... Uh, if my wife's out or I've got some time by myself, much like now, for some reason, I get the creepies and I love it and hate it. Great example. I've been watching Unsolved Mysteries, the reboot on Netflix. Their second season has dropped six episodes. It's excellent, by the way. They've really honed in on the formula, which makes it work. But even though I know I'm safe and I know it's on TV I'm watching... Somehow the scariness creeps into me and I'll be on my couch and I know all I have to do is go from here to the bathroom, which is like 15 feet, but I'm afraid to go in, Keith. <laughs> and so I find myself, and I'm not doing it for show or for theatrics because I'm by myself. There's something about that intrinsic kind of creepiness and fear that I really enjoy. And I want to talk about one moment in general, and it has to do with Stephen King book. Now, you've, you probably know the titles of many of his famous, famous works, but he's written a gajillion books. They're not all out of the park homers. But one that I picked up one time and I was at my apartment in Queens, my roommates were out and I started reading and I kept reading and I kept reading and before I knew it, I bought the book the day it came out, I got it about four o'clock at a Barnes and Noble when Barnes and Noble was still a thing. Uh, I think it's, I think there's still Barnes and Noble. No, it still is, no, there's one near me. Uh, Anyway, it's a a book called Duma Key. Oh, yeah. Do you know Duma Key? I, a lesser I known work. Ha- I have a copy. I don't think I've read it. Oh, you got to read it. Copy. So I started reading it like four or five o'clock when I picked this book up. Next thing I knew, I couldn't put it down. It was like five o'clock in the morning. And the later it got, the more I was obsessed with reading it and the scared, more scared I got. Ostensibly, the book is about an artist. An artist who has an accident and loses an arm. I think it's fair to say. So what's a what's a painter, Keith, if you can't paint anymore? Uh, it's a lot of, ex, it's a lot about things, esoteric fears we have in general. Anyway, when are we when when are when are we too old? When do we miss our opportunity? When is it over for you know things like that as artists, as people? Oh, no, I'm scared. Uh, but through supernatural things. Uh, and possession is something that is freaky to me in general, the idea of possession, demonic possession. This guy has episodes where some sort of demon arm thing helps him, possesses him, and helps him create incredible masterworks, but at a cost. And I love Stephen King. This was a book that got me back into King, because I had, after the, I took on The Dark Tower as I was on tour, which is like a seven-book seven tome series of like high horror fantasy. I needed to take a break. And so after this, uh, uh, quite a bit of a break, Duma Keep brought me back in and I was just fearful all night, but I couldn't put it down. And I read that almost for 24 hours straight. Uh, I think I finished it in like three nights and it's a big book. Uh, But it was like an obsession of being scared and feeling feeling trapped in my room because I didn't want to leave my room because I was so afraid, Uh, but I was a grown ass adult. So that's a memory I have that of something scary I really enjoy. Duma Key. So we've got it. We've got Duma Key. Stephen King in general is a there high is. recommend from very Keith and very Mike. well uh, represented. I, you know, I I feel like uh, if, if we if we talk about it enough, he might be successful. 
Yeah, I mean, he does. I, he definitely I, needs the K&M, K&M just bump. If, if, <laughs> the K&M bump, yeah. I'm going to double up, Keith, because uh, yes. I think my next one will segue into something you've got coming. All right, great. So basically right now, my last thing I want to bring up is scary stories in general. Mm. The idea of imagination, uh, that's why reading is so great. That's why the books are great, because you it, it, it harkens or it requires there are no budgetary restrictions yes. in your imagination and it can it can go to some dark places it opens doors maybe you didn't want to open in your brain um but for me it started back reading wise with rl stein and goosebumps <laughs> and but even before that uh fourth grade camping trip the first time you sat around a campfire and did scary stories for real and yeah you got people telling some scary stories and you hear a rustling in the woods behind the fire and you, it just elicits something in you, a thrill, a fear. Uh, maybe there's a, a, a cute girl or boy that you're digging that is nearby and you kind of have that first yeah, I've got, you got a chance First to like feeling rub to like knees. get an arm around or Ooh. there's something about that that's that's really beautiful. There's a show right now on Netflix that I'd like to recommend. I'm only two episodes in, so I don't know if it's going to nail it. But it's Mike Flanagan, who can barely, basically do no wrong in, in this genre. And it's called The Midnight Club. And it's a group of terminally ill folks in a home uh, that's basically a hospice home where they're waiting out their illness. They're young people. So it's dealing with death and mortality in young people, but they have a club where they get together at midnight and tell scary stories. And the the goal is, is if you can come back after you die, you should come back and haunt them because that's part of the, it's, and then they sort of, each episode is sort of a freak of the week episode where they tell a scary story and you see it, but it's also, there's some meta arching themes. It's a, it's a, it's a cool show and I'm only two and I'm in liking it. So this is a soft recommend for the midnight club, but it, it takes on a sh it, the vibe of a show I used to watch as a kid. Do you remember Are You Afraid of the Dark on Nickelodeon? I didn't ever see it. We didn't have cable, but I'm oh. aware of it. It is available on YouTube, and it is still awesome. It is still awesome. It was the the club would get together around a campfire and tell scary stories and they would act them out. Sometimes hokey, sometimes cheesy. Then growing up, I remember <laughs> when you would get the one-month or sometimes like seven day trial of HBO when HBO first came out. Oh right? yeah. And there was two things that was cool about the soft trial of HBO. Yeah, Past ten o'clock, you got this the soft yeah, core kind of boobies you could check yeah, out. Yeah, back back when HBO used to do yeah. that. Uh David Decub no, that was Showtime, but same difference. That was Showtime, Red yep. Shoe Diary. Red Shoe Diary. <laughs> we both bing. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference. I can't remember what I had for lunch, but yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, but there was another show called Tales from the Crypt, which was sort of our times Twilight Zone kind of thing or ish no. in that universe. It was, scary. it was a scary story anthology. So all of those things. And quickly, I want to tell my favorite campfire story. And then I want to segue to you because I know you have a story to share. We were sitting around. A, we have a little cabin up in Long Lake, New York. Uh, that my wife's family has. And we were up there and we're sitting around a campfire with my my brother-in-law and his kids and my nephew, Mark Andrew, who was a young kid at the time, six years old, maybe. We were all going around telling scary stories. And you know, kids telling scary stories, they don't, they, it's just stream of consciousness. They're not, they're just kind of whatever. Right. Once upon a time, there was a whatever. And then they Haunted go. Haunted refrigerator. Yeah, and it's 99.9% .9 of the time, just stupid and not scary at all. But sometimes you reach into the depths of the of an old soul and Mark Andrew just once upon a time there was a man called beep 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 Sandfoot. And we were like oh? and he began Sandfoot. to craft this really intricate story about a man who was hunting in the woods and he got caught in like quicksand and he became this like ghost entity with like a foot made of sand. And it was, oh, we were, I mean, scary, I don't know, but it was so specific and creative, we were blown away. So to this day, this is probably 10 years ago, no, eight years ago or so, Sandfoot has become a legend. 
We tell stories of Sandfoot. We are always making around a campfire. We talk about Sandfoot. And so there are certain things about the human experience that I'm glad are continuing even in this age of technology. And telling scary stories around a campfire is still one thing that is happening. Thank goodness. Keith, I toss to you. I mean, I feel like I, I, you, you could get greenlit just on the name Sandfoot. Sandfoot. I like it. Well, all right. Well, this is great. Mike, are you ready? For a true story? Yes, please. So I have a true ghost story from my family. Okay. I, I'm 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 settling in. Okay. So um before my parents had uh kids, when they were just very young teachers, um, and this is in the 70s in Vermont, they rented a house, an old farmhouse. Um from an old man named Perry Curtis. And Perry Curtis was, was a, a dairy farmer in Vermont. And uh, he and his wife assumed a house in the 1920s from her parents. And the house is from the 1700s. It is an ancient, big, giant, old farmhouse. And so throughout the 20s and 30s and World War II, Perry would be a farmer and his wife would sort of it was a bed and breakfast before there wasn't a term for bed and breakfast. They, they rented rooms out during the depression during world war two and such. And she had, and Perry told him this story sort of wistfully because he missed his wife and sort of talked about, um, you know, after she died, told him sort of the story of, of what she would do. And she would, uh, she would go in and make breakfast for everybody every morning. And then every night she had a tradition, you know, right before bedtime, she would go to each room in the bed and breakfast with some towels. And they're like, Hey, do you need anything? And, um, was just like the sweetest, nicest woman. Um, and, uh, so anyway, years later when my parents were renting this house, um, Perry was still alive. And so he had a little apartment in the back and he would be there occasionally, but, um, my parents, as young teachers, had some of their friends who were also in the teacher corps stay over um, once. And uh, so they uh, just sit over in the spare bedroom. And then the next morning they came down um, for breakfast the next morning. And both of these people now have PhDs. And they together, as a, as a, as a married couple, they're like, hey, uh, so who was that really nice lady who checked in on us last night? And they're like, huh? It's like, oh yeah, there was like this this gray haired lady. She had a towel over her arm, and she, and she was so sweet. She just checked it, asked them if we needed anything, and right before we went to bed, she closed the door and left. Like, who was that? And my parents like, oh, so uh, who knows? But they a hundred percent legitimately they they did not know the story at all. Nobody knew the story independently. That's weird. So weird. And, you know, she'd been dead for 10 years at that point. And uh, they never even told Perry about it. Because I, I actually called my folks to get this story straight before we, we came on. Um, and so it was both of them saw her. Right. Neither one of them thought anything weird about it. Right. They're just like, hey, who was that? Who was that lady? And they didn't know anything about her. And both of my parents were there to hear the story. They just checked. She just asked how things were going. Was nothing, there was nothing ominous? No, no. It was, it was just what she did every night in the, during the depression. That's a great story. Yeah. So I never tell this. Can I share a story real quick? I wasn't sure. planning on it, but so in my life, so my dad died when I was 17, 18 years old. And 19 years old. God damn. That whole time is, I was younger. Uh, and many times I've tried to like, you know, throw it out there that, hey, if there's any sort of contact way, let me know. But I've never had any sort of experience except one time in my life, Keith. And it had nothing to do with my dad. So my grandma passed away when I was five years old. And because of the way it all played out that day, I found her. At the time, I didn't oh, even know what death really? was. Yeah, I just she, I just thought she was sleeping, and I couldn't wake her up, so I told my mom, and then there was a whole traumatic thing, scene. Shit, uh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, but and I never, that, it, it didn't affect me a lot, at least, 
my therapist would disagree, but um, <laughs> but at the time, like I said, I didn't know what death was, and the the, the more upsetting bit was how upset I saw my mom. Her she was mm. like she went crazy, which you I can understand. Uh, but anyway, when I was about eleven or twelve years old, I woke up early one morning before my family had gotten up, and uh, I went downstairs to uh, go into the kitchen because we had one TV and it was in the living room connected to the kitchen. And I figured I was up early, I couldn't sleep. I would go watch television. So I came down our steps and rounded the corner. So there was like a hallway looking into the kitchen and then you would go through the kitchen to get to the living room. And as I came around the corner looking into the kitchen, our, our kitchen table was right in the center of the kitchen and the chair closest to the entryway facing away mm -hmm. uh, is where my grandmother used to, when I was a kid, we used to put her like apron or like her cooking apron, which she'd laid on the chair, but it had not been there since she had passed away, of course. But it was sitting, it was there, which I thought was odd, but I figured maybe my mom had taken it out and put it there. I didn't, didn't think it out of it, so I wasn't afraid or I didn't have any, so I walked through the hallway into the kitchen and then to my left where the sink was, was my grandmother. at Standing at the sink, facing away from me and she turned and she looked me in the eye and smiled, and I was afraid because I made the connection that she was not supposed to be there because yeah. she was passed away. And I had only had tangentially, tangential memories of her because she died when I was five years old. Right. So I got frightened, not of her, but of the situation. I ran into the little bathroom, which was right off the kitchen, came back out, gone. Apron gone, her gone. Definitely was not asleep. Have definitely recounted this only a few times, but that is the one and only sort of ghost slash supernatural thing that's ever happened. And that's interesting. That. Yeah, like wow. I said, like same thing. She didn't do anything ominous, say anything ominous. Right, I wasn't right. fearful of her, but of this, at least I was cognizant of the information because I knew she wasn't supposed to be there. Unlike the story you told, where they didn't know. Right, she was they didn't think anything of it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about all those things. I would consider myself really skeptical about most things, but that 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 happened. Interesting. Okay. Wow. All right. On a well, completely different note, guys, we had we had some ghost stories. Now it's time. You to have watch any cool scary ones? movie? I definitely want to hear your ghost stories in yes. the comments if you've got any. Uh, so finally, Keith, I would like to take us over to some place we visited before every week on Deep Space Nine. If you're new to the channel, check us out. We check out Deep Space Nine every week. I'd like to bring you to the viewing room. Let me turn myself off here. So, uh, you remember we talked about the VHS. For those of you who are patrons or on the YouTube channel, you can watch uh, Keith and Mike watch um, the the Star the Deep next generation. No, Star Trek: oh, The Next oh, Generation, oh, oh. The Wrath of Neener. Oh yes, a, of course. Uh, and growing up, we made a whole bunch of videos for school too that were always awesome. So, my brother is a principal, uh, but he has often worked with, uh, he works closely with the emotional and uh, physical support uh, communities within his school. And uh, one of the projects he worked on some years ago that I remember I always appreciated was, uh, there was an, uh, I think the student had Asperger's and had some other, some other uh, diagnoses uh, it's, I don't want to get caught in the weeds of that, but he had a had a I don't want to use the word obsession, but a a keen interest in uh, civil war uh, guillotines or civil war uh, weapons and and then old uh, French guillotines, like instruments of death and torture. Well, you know, sure. Yeah, but it was a little disruptive to the class, like uh, to his teachers were un unsure how to handle a lot of the drawings and the things he would do. And my brother, instead of kind of looking at it negatively, tried to encourage it. And he's like, it's nothing, he's just, if you really look at it, he's doing incredible research. He's like, these drawings are really uh, Kids mechanical. Kids are drawing all sorts of stuff, yeah. yeah. So my brother, what he did was he threw a uh, instruments of death and torture art exhibit and he had all the kids have to like research one instrument of death or torture created a, a painting or whatever and they did a whole gallery and they did Amazing. a whole i thought it was awesome i made a guillotine in middle school yeah dude like, like a little little balsa wood one yeah S sweet so i thought it was really cool i always appreciate that work my brother does anyway this year uh 
I, I don't know the, the, a lot of the details. So here are the details I have. Basically, for some reason, they decided to, there, oh, there was a lot of, they were YouTubing scary movies and like gory stuff and jump scares and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, instead of YouTubing it and just watching it and sort of consuming content, let's flip it and make it a practical lesson. And they decided to have a film festival and they broke it into groups and they each had to create a movie. The movie had a beginning, had to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Uh, and it had to star them, they had to write it, they had to do all these things. But of course, my brother then had to have an entry. And so the script was created by the, ostensibly by that one of the groups that my brother was a part of. And it had to star my niece and my brother's children, it had a had a role, I had a role, my brother had a role. And so I went over to my brother's house and we filmed some of the footage on the iPhone and I gave him all the stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then it became clear to me uh, a few hours <laughs> later that I was responsible for putting this movie together. Oh, you, you were directing, editing, and uh, yeah, he's like, I can't get Final facts. Cut to work, and blah blah. I was like, I don't really have any time to do this. And then so I, I was like, fine, whatever. But of course, that was Wednesday, and then Thursday or Tuesday and Wednesday, I was like doing my work. And he wrote me, he's like, hey, by the way, I need it at six o'clock because the festival is now. I was like. Oh, I thought I was going to do, whole, I was going to talk to you, Keith, and like, get crap. I was going to do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So now I have like, you know, two, 20 minutes. I had about two hours from start to finish to like try to, to try to make this a thing. And the script, mm-hmm. let's say it's not strong because it was uh, haphazardly written and the footage, uh, it was just, a, you know how it is. So I jumped on Envato. No, the I, Wrath of Nina is yep. flawless. I jumped on Envato.com. I got some stock assets, and in like an hour and a half, I put this together. Uh, so script by uh, my brother Nick and a group of students, acting by my brother Nick and a bunch of, they they chose the corn man. It's about a man with a corn of head. The whole thing is crazy, but. I can't wait. I did the favor that I was asked to do, and I created the corn man, and we're going to debut it here. So thanks to uh, uh, everybody out there. This is not my film. This is their film. Uh, whoa, it did whoa. win the film festival. Yeah, damn right it did. That's and, an awful lot of equivocations for an award-winning film. And here we go. Here's the corn man, Keith. It's shot uh, documentary style. Of course. <laughs> Looking back, it's a miracle that I'm alive at all. <laughs> to my knowledge, no one else has survived an encounter with the corn man. I have to say, <laughs> I, I, I forgot something else. <laughs> I love it already. There's an Easter egg I want you to keep an eye out for. Okay. So my brother's favorite movie, my brother's favorite scary movie is The Exorcist 3. Have you seen The Exorcist 3? Oh, we literally watched it two weeks ago. Okay, so he said that his favorite, you know, his... So there is a, a direct Easter egg aping uh, Exorcist 3 in here. So I want you to... Oh, my God. I love it. It was also Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie. Interesting. Looking back, it's a miracle that I'm alive at all. I don't think I've moved from this chair since then. To my knowledge, no one <laughs> yeah. else has survived an encounter with the corn experience man. experience of you. Who is the corn man? A long time ago, in a small rural town called Downingtownville, there was an old farmer, old man Cobb, they called him. He was working on his roof during this terrible lightning storm. It was the worst storm ever, and some even believed it might have been supernatural. A bolt of this powerful light sent electricity all through his body. He fell from the roof, landed on a pitchfork in his cornfield, and disappeared. No one had ever seen Farmer Cobb again, but soon after that, residents of Downingtownville reported seeing a terrifying entity, first in the cornfields, then in the windows of their house. They said it had a mutilated head of corn. They called him the Corn Man. How did you survive the corn man? It was a nice day. I was driving my electric car with my nieces to get ice cream. 
Suddenly, it was like all of the electricity had gotten sucked out of the car, drained into the air. It happened in front of the Cobb farm. We got out to see what happened, and then emerging from the corn, there he was. We ran as fast as we could and came to the first house. That madman is chasing us. I, I think maybe we should split up. That's a terrible idea. We have a better chance of surviving if we stick together. Yes, but that's exactly what he's going to think, so we should split up! That's a terrible idea. In hindsight, it was a terrible idea. Yeah, right? That's really the... It's pretty scary on its own. He's even got little hairs on the corn. Ooh. Clearly he's drawn to the popcorn, you know. Because well, I mean, like, obviously, but yeah. somebody's killing his children. Oh, of course. He's going to take on the corn man solo. I'll ever recover from losing my nieces. But I have to say, that was the best popcorn I'd ever had. Is that someone at the... Keith, he's not dead. Classic ending to a horror film. No, I know. He's not dead. There. (laughs) Wow. I'll never get over the death of my nieces. But it's the best popcorn yeah. I ever had. Hey, that's the script, man. I didn't write that's that's some that's some good comedy beat. Hilarious. So there you go. Congratulations wait. to all those who were uh part of the Wait, there's not seventeen minutes of credits? Why else are you gonna doing this? Five minutes. Five minutes. Wow. That was a, a cinematic achievement uh Thanks, without man. parallel. Thank you. Uh, Did you catch the uh the uh What's it called? The uh, Exorcist Three. That that jump scare is the direct jump scare from the Exorcist Three, where the at in the in the hospital where the the nurse comes across. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. No, I totally missed that. Um, so that's a treat I for mean, y'all here on Halloween. I, and I, you know, and I will be the first to say it wasn't corny. Oh, there's oh. <laughs> a little kernel of humor there at the, the end of the, the show. F- the funny thing I'll keep saying is, so my brother is in that mask, obviously, right? And I kept trying to get his get good footage He's of totally him, and, but he kept doing everything in slow motion. And I had, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> not an actor. I was like, why are you doing it in slow motion? He's like, isn't it scarier? Like when everything is slow motion, I was like, yeah, but you like the slow motion happens in post. Myers. Yeah, but you don't do that. You don't w- do it in slow motion. No, Michael Myers did. Yeah, but there's no. Jason s- did. Yeah, it's, I just kept like, no, could you do it like, like real? <laughs> wow, that's anyway. that that is spectacular. Uh, thank you for sharing that with me. You're I, I I am I'm delighted by that. Uh, yeah, folks, if you have your own 
cinematic achievements in horror, uh, let us know because we we have a we have a, a Star Trek kid film festival that we are working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we should do a, a horror homemade horror film festival. Oh, whatever you want, we'll we'll do it. I mean, that sounds fun. Yeah, you can, you, Mike. If somebody wanted to do that, where could they email us? Uh, they can email us here at K and M. So spell out the and K and M Geekly at gmail.com. You could also hit us up. We have that. We cool. do have that. Yep. You can hit us up in the comments here. You can shoot it. You can shoot a video to look at my Star Trek toys at gmail.com. That's our other show here on uh, the uh, the channel. Now, last thing I want to say before we peace out for our Halloween celebrations, uh, we do have a Patreon, and we would like to take a second to just thank our patrons. They are Brian Kaufman, Casey Clark, Cloud Lover 69, Jason Moe, Jorge Navoa, and the mysterious Wharf's Boot Shivs, Alan Zimmerman, CRM Productions, Charles Babbage, at Grim underscore Toys, and Delusions at Noon. You can join that team at mm. patreon.com slash K and M. But Keith, I keep yeah. saying M, but it's M. This month, our patrons get a special thing. See, one of our more popular channels is us unboxing and talking about action figures but this that's month our true. patrons get a special bonus episode that's not star trek toys at all keith what are we going to be looking at oh well let me tell you it's going to be something that uh that mike sent me such a it was a very romantic gift mm-hmm. because boom he sent me right here it is our own michael myers oh, fantastic that. action figure with all sorts of fun extra stuff this is going to be a blast to unbox for you uh all out there on our patreon so uh i can't wait to do this it's been everything i can do not to unbox it my darn self i can imagine and get it on my shelf but this is discipline this is what we do for our patrons i'm able to have some tiny shred of self-discipline so uh there you go All right, folks. Well, we wish you a very happy Halloween. Thanks for geeking out with us this week. We'll see you next Monday for another episode of K&M Geekly. Check out the other shows on our channel. Keith and Mike watch Deep Space Nine. Look at my Star Trek toys. And whatever fun stuff we have coming up in the future, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your uh, cavities you're going to get from all the candy Keith's giving you. But until then, for Keith and Mike, this has been...